You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands on the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I'm joined today by Brooks Addington, who is the CEO of Toast Beverages. Brooks, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Laurel. I really appreciate it. Uh, I love that it's toast with the umlaut on the top. Tell us a little bit about the brand, what you're doing, and um, you know how people can find you. Sure. Yeah. We uh, so toast. Uh, toast is a non-alcoholic sparkling. Uh, we like to say refresher, uh, made from uh, all natural ingredients. It's a lower calorie beverage. Uh, something we created about five years ago uh, on the sort of early end of the the non-alcoholic, alcohol-free movement uh, that we've seen the the strong trend. Mm-hmm. We launched with a single flavor called Toast, which is a sparkling white tea, cranberry, and ginger. And last year, about a year and a half ago, we launched a rosé flavor, which is a, a white tea, ginger, and elderberry. You know, both, again, are sort of lower calorie alternatives to drinking alcohol. So interesting. We have a lot of brands that are kind of in this space. Um, I, I'm just so curious why you think this has been such an upward trend in the market. Well, I think there's, you know, when we launched five years ago, uh, I think we, you know, we still heard a lot of sort of madmen comments from people or, you know, why, you know, why would, you know, if I'm only drinking water or scotch or things of that nature, um, or, oh, is this a, is this a better, you know, sparkling cider? Is that what you're going after? And really, you know, in 2019, there was a, a Washington Post article top 10 trends uh, to, to watch out for. And, and I think it was in June or July of 2019. And one of them was not out. We happened to be in the article, but just for the movement, we felt like that was a moment when um, really sort of the, the, the movement really hit and sort of started gaining steam. You know, people are looking for healthier options. You know, they're more aware of their health. They're more aware of inflammation. They're more aware of, of, um, you know, what alcohol does or, or, or sugar does or other, other, other things that might not be the best for you. Um, and mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, moderation is becoming more and more of a, uh, you know, of a focus for a lot of people. And, and that's really where we, we focus a lot of, a lot of energy is on that moderation front. Um, you know, certainly with, with the pandemic, you saw a massive increase of drinking sort of right off the bat. And then a lot of people saying, geez, this, this isn't good. Um, oh, you were in my house then. Got it. You yeah, gotta, exactly, uh, exactly. You saw my my trajectory. I was like, wow, that, I think I have a problem. Like halfway yeah. through, I was like, I got to revisit this. And I, I think that that's exactly why this movement has has surged in such a big way, especially in the last few years. I love that you launched this five years ago because there's a lot of new brands in the space, but you've been doing this since kind of day one um, in the non-ALK uh, category, which is really fascinating. Um, yeah, it's... And it's, tasty, which is the most you. important part. Thank you. Yes, we were, we were, you know, we weren't the first, but we were certainly on the early end. Um, and, you know, the more, the more brands, the merrier is really our, our feeling. It's just great to see so many great brands come out and, and there's sort of segmentation happening in the space where you've got options between spirits and wines and mocktails and, uh, and beers, of course. Um, and yeah, I think people are just looking for, looking for those alternatives where they might not be drinking 
they don't want to drink during the week or they're not drinking this month, obviously dry January, dry July, uh, down in Australia, um, sober October, I think it is, you know, there's a different time periods where people are kind of collectively coming together. I don't remember the exact number, but there was a really high percentage. I mean, like a 78 or something like that. I should have that data um, of people that engaged in dry January in some, in some shape or form. Um, so a lot of people are looking at it, trying to, trying to you know, moderate. Uh, and we just want to be a brand that, that people feel um, that's something that's meaningful and accessible and, um, and obviously inclusive. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I had to go out for business, uh, business dinners, multiple uh, dinners last night, and there was a lot of wine at that table and I did not wake up feeling great. So I can't wait for these kinds of beverages to be available um, in retail, like in your restaurant, right? I think that's the big leap that I haven't seen yet um, in terms of availability via e-com versus, you know, when you're sitting down to a meal, like that's where I want to see these beverages start to explode. Us too. We really, um, you know, obviously e-com took off during the pandemic and you know, we saw great growth there. Uh, we're in about 2,000-ish stores uh, nationwide now in 40 states. We're in eight countries, 12 by, um, 12 by the end of this quarter. So we've seen, we've seen some nice, you know, nice, um, you know, nice growth demographically and across the country, but there's still, there's still so much more to go um, and certainly on-premise. You know, I think if you think about what it was like to run a restaurant the last couple of years, we all know we all have friends in the industry or family yeah. in the industry. It's been it was obviously very tough. They weren't focused on trying to build out the the most ideal, um, <laughs> right? Not a, know, not a big beverage, priority at that beverage point. menu. Like, it was survival uh, mode. Right? Totally, totally. Yeah. So so now we're starting to see that we're starting to see more and more restaurants. You know, they're back. You know, we need to have these options. Customers are looking for it. So the more that people come in and say. You know, I've had a glass of wine. I had my martini. I'd like something else. What do you have? Um, you know, the more that happens, the more it'll resonate with with restaurants, and they'll want to provide that experience for the customer. And you know, that to me is a, just a you know a great a great upsell for the uh, for the restaurants. Which is, you know, if you have nice options, you can you can sell another drink as opposed to saying, you know what, I'm fine. I'll just have a water. Um, that should be a motivation for them. And we see that we see that coming, but it'll, it'll still take a little bit of time. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the other thing that I really loved about this, well, love about this category is that I'm in a, a, a an age range where I have lots of friends and family who are getting pregnant and not able to participate um, in those sessions of, you know, <clears throat> wine openings. And um, just the other day, before you sent your product, I sent a bottle of sparkling Martinelli's and I was like, God, there's gotta be a better way. And literally your box showed up the next day. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Why didn't I get this the day before? So I could have gifted one of the bottles um, instead of this like super old school, you know, this is the only alternative thought in the thought process. Right. Um, yeah. So I love the gifting mentality of this, the gifting process for those who just simply don't drink, which is a lot of the population. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's over 30% of people that don't drink at all. Um, obviously, um, you know, Pregnancies, uh, uh, people don't drink during pregnant when they're pregnant. Um, you know that's that's um, you know another opportunity. We we have a lot of a lot of customers that come to us and say, "I'm so happy we found you. This has really helped us help me get through pregnancy or post pregnancy. I'm still drinking it. It's it's great. I really enjoy it." Um, you know what we're proud of is the the vast age group. We're really an occasion based beverage, and we're something that that anyone can enjoy. the The commonality is there's an occasion. What's the occasion? Well, it might be might be that you're watching Netflix on a Tuesday night. It might be that you're going to a wedding. It might be a celebration or an anniversary. 
it's really not a, up to us to decide what the occasion is. It's the, the customer that's deciding and a product like ours just wants to be there to help them enjoy that moment. So for us, it's to have something that's elevated um, that people can say, this is something that's a little bit special, but also that's something that they, you know, price point wise is accessible. We're really kind of fitting into that affordable luxury space of saying, this is something that I, I can afford and I can enjoy and I can enjoy often yet it is premium. It is special. Um, and it does have a sophistication that you would often find in an alcoholic beverage. And, you know, to your point of gifting, what we love hearing from our, our customers, and we hear this often is I don't drink, uh, you know, someone will say this, I don't drink, but I feel comfortable bringing this to a party. You know, people don't want to bring a Diet Coke to a party or an iced tea. They want, they want to <laughs> it's bring not a something. cute look. It's not a cute they look. They want to participate. Yeah. They want to participate. Like part. Yeah. Exactly. And so to have, to have a, an option where they can come to a party and say, oh, this is, you know, this is what I'm bringing um, on equal footing than a nice bottle of wine, um, you know, I think is, is really what it's, what it's all about. Uh, and it's exciting. And we love, just love to hear that from our customers. Yeah, it's really fun. And it does make you feel like you're still a part of the conversation, even if it doesn't happen to have alcohol. I, I do think this is an enormously growing category that I'm watching as a consumer, but also from a branding perspective, like from a marketing perspective, really understanding this very nuanced market. The exciting part from a marketing perspective, which I'm sure you all know, is that because you're not an alcoholic beverage, you're not getting the same slaps on the wrist that um, that uh, elk beverages have in terms of advertising. So I would assume that, I guess the question is, you know, it has it been challenging for you to market this or have you found that because you're simply CPG that it's been an easier process? Uh, yes and no. It's actually a great, it's a great question, um, Laurel. And, and so, you know, it's, there are times, for example, in social media where we're challenged in terms of of running ads because they say, well, this is an alcoholic beverage. We say, no, 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 it's not alcohol. But then you're trying to get through, uh, you know, an AI system to approve sure. your, to prove your ad or your post or what, whatever so it may be. So there's that, there's a little frustration on that front. Um, and we're just, you know, we're patient with it. We, we work, we're working through it. Um, but then when it comes to selling into a new state or into a new store, we're not shackled with the same things that, that alcohol brands are in terms of getting registered or licenses or making sure you're with the right distributor or the ability to go sell, you know, across state lines, what have you, we're, we're, there are no limits to that. So um, we can be onboarded quicker. It's an easier process um, for, for our, our retail and, and restaurant customers. Um, but when it comes to the broader advertising to the greater consumer um, and these large sort of, you know, large social media type scenarios, it's, they still quite haven't figured out how to identify not ALK and ALK. Um, yeah. So, so some challenges, some some things that are easier and some things that are harder. But all in all, um, you know, just the the trend has been so strong recently, uh, which is so exciting that that's been a real uh, opportunity for us as a brand, and I think for all of us in the in this alcohol free space to really come out and and um, get more awareness. There's a lot more articles, a lot more people talking about it, and all of that's all that's great for the brand, and ultimately it's great for the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to take a really quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Mexi Craft Tequila Seltzer. It is a top shelf tequila seltzer made with craft tequila from Jalisco, Mexico, real juice and sparkling water. Each can contains a shot and a half of premium Blanco tequila, which y'all know is my favorite, and no more than three grams of sugar for those of you watching that. You can get it in Whole Foods in Southern California or order it online at MexiSeltzer.com. Follow them on IG at MexiSeltzer and use Podcast 20 for 20% off your first order. 
Thanks for sticking with us. And if you're just tuning in, I am chatting with Brooks Addington, who is the CEO of Toast Beverages. Um, before the break, we were talking a little bit about marketing efforts and how some things have been easier to getting into new states, getting distribution, all that kind of stuff. Um, and some things have still been very challenging, like the Facebook, Instagram algorithm that still tags you as a beverage or as an elf beverage. Um, how much are you focused on education in this category? Since it is a, it's a new category, newish, I should say, in beverage. Yeah, that's that's another another great question. So I don't know how much in terms of a percentage, but there's an education at the store level uh, at times. I mean, some people get it and they're they totally understand what's going on. And you know, I'm very aware of what's going on and it's a great trend and we're excited to see it. I don't drink or or I'm pregnant or whatever the whatever it may be. And others still scratch their heads. If I go back to kind of what I said earlier. Five years ago, going out and having the story was a lot more difficult than where we are today. So right. there is that piece of education. I think specifically on the on-premise side, uh, where some people say, "Yeah, geez, I don't really get it." You know, our customers are fine. We're happy with what we have. Um, and then others that totally get it and say, "Yeah, we're building this out. We have a, a non-alcoholic section that's really important to us. We want to be there." So we're we're getting there is the answer. Um, constantly educating uh, at the retail level. Where does, where does alcohol-free, non-alcoholic beverages belong? Do they belong in the soda section? Do they belong in the alcohol oh, section? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Where do you put them in a store? How do you market them? Um, there's that, the jury's still out on that uh, at, at every retailer, more or less, uh, and really determining what the right place is. And I think you're going to see in the future a dedicated you know, non-alcoholic section uh, somewhere in a, in a retail store that is, I mean, certainly the the um, spirit stores, the beverage stores or liquor stores, you know, they have a non-alc section because it's right. tequila, wine, whiskey, you know, non-alcoholic mixers, et cetera. But on the retail side, uh, you know, grocery side, you may have a store that sells wine, but also has a, obviously a massive inner aisle beverage area, which is the right place. And right. so we, we get pushed in different, different spots sometimes. And sometimes we're with the premium sparkling water and sometimes we're, with the 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 wine um, and or the non-alc beer, and so that's that's something that we spend a lot of time and energy trying to work with our our retail partners to find the best place. Um, and there's not a consensus yet, so a little bit tough for the consumer to to walk into a store and say, "Well, I know exactly where um, you know Dr Pepper is going to be." There's no question. Mm -hmm. I know exactly where the mayonnaise is, or you know whatever the item may be, the granola, um, the non-alcoholic might be in a couple of different places. And so there's actually an association that we're a founding member of called the Adult Non-Alcoholic Beverage Association that was formed last fall. Uh, and one of the, one of the um, uh, you know, initiatives there is to really help define where this, where this category belongs. That's so interesting. Um, I would argue that it might be better to be in both areas, although I don't know in terms of placement and costs for that shelf uh, space, all of that is probably the argument on the other side uh, from the retailers. But um, wouldn't it be a great idea to be everywhere? The more visibility and branding, the better. Even better would be just case stacked right in front of the front door. There you, you know, go. A big sign for three sixty five. But yes, I mean we we're you know we're we're one of those products that can kind of drop into a couple different places, and um, the more places the better. You know, our my our, our big argument is if you don't drink and you're looking for an alcohol free product, you probably don't want to have to go into the wine section to find it. Um, you oh, prefer that's such it to a be, good point. Yeah. somewhere else, and yet 
a lot of people will still identify with uh, alcohol-free with alcohol. So there's that. And plus, you know, we do really well in, in um, you know, liquor stores because people go into liquor stores and they buy, they buy tequila and wine and what have you. But then they say, you know, I know Laurel's not drinking this month. So she's coming to my house for dinner. I should, I should pick something up for her as well. So there's mm-hmm. actually a lot of sales that happen, you know, that way also where people are shopping for something else, but want to have, you know, want to have an option. So, um, like I yeah. said, the jury, the jury's still out. We're, we're fortunate. Um, we've done, done pretty well in a, in a couple different locations, but yeah, if I can, if, if you know the trick to convince people <laughs> to put us in two or three locations, um, let us, let me know because that's, uh, that would be, that'd be pretty awesome. And that'd be ideal. Yeah. Um, I would love to shift focus and understand a little bit about your background as a CEO of this company. What did you have a food and beverage background? How did you come to develop this, this product? Yeah, that's, I don't know if you've got how many hours you have for this it's kind, of a, <laughs> kind of a crazy story, but. Um, yeah, the first half of my career, I uh, actually lived abroad. I lived in Tokyo in Japan. Um, I was in financial services. And then about 12 years ago, um, moved back to the States, got involved in uh, a consumer product business uh, that I invested in and um, ended up getting involved in that. And, you know, I, I don't know if I'm a self-proclaimed foodie or beverage guy or whatever you might call it, but I've always been <laughs> You know, one of the things that, that fascinated me, I was, in, I was in Tokyo for 14 years and you'd walk into a, a store and they had so many options for, for drinks uh, and a lot of healthy options and healthier options um, as opposed to, you know, where the U.S. was, say, 12 years ago. I was always fascinated about that. Um, so I was introduced. I actually didn't create the original, the original beverage. I am the largest shareholder in the company and I'm the CEO of the company. Um, but it was created by a, 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 very, a very creative entrepreneur. Um, in the Hudson Valley in, in New York, who wanted to create a beverage that had, you know, the attributes of an alcoholic beverage with no alcohol in it. Um, and they brought together a team, uh, a beverage designer himself, and then Alfred Portale as uh, a James Beard Award winning Michelin star uh, chef in New York, long, long time Gotham Bar and Grill uh, owner and operator. Sure. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of the taste conductor and he played a big role in, in saying, you know, it's it's too sweet. It's not dry enough. We need more nose. And there's a lot of back and forth. It took about a year and a half, and it wasn't so much what what we were putting, you know, into the beverage. What we were trying to get out of it. I mean, obviously, we cared about the quality of the ingredients and it being all natural, but we wanted this experience. So, you know, the the tea for the tannins, the the white cranberry for stringency, um, all these things were thought, you know, really well thought out to provide this experience. So you would have a nose, you would have a mouthfeel, you would have a finish you know, to elevate, um, elevate the product. So that again, that it had this experience like an alcoholic beverage, but no alcohol. So it was not an easy process. It took a long time. Um, creating our rosé took a very long time as well. Uh, we really, you know, we really believe that if you want to succeed in this industry, you need to have good tasting products, um, or even great tasting products. We'd like to think we have great tasting products. <laughs> and, um, and so we, we're not a brand that's trying to throw a ton of different flavors onto a shelf and um, and see what hits. We're much more uh, looking at creating these these special special flavors, special experiences, um, and we feel like that'll resonate long term. So, yeah, I, I've got involved six years ago with the company as a as an advisor, um, and then eventually um, became the you know the largest shareholder in the company and the CEO. Um, I was an I was obviously an early early buyer into the concept. 
and when I first tasted it and saw the brand, I was really blown away. Um, super impressed and just saw the opportunity and um, have been involved since then. So it's been a, it's been quite a ride. <laughs> yeah, very cool story. Uh, we're going to take a really quick break. We'll be right back. Enjoying the episode? I certainly hope so, but we have no way to know unless you tell us. After this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice and let us know what you love and what you want to hear next. This podcast is all about you, and how else are we going to elevate your brand unless you talk to us? All right, chatting with Brooks Addington, who is CEO of, of Toast Beverages. Share with us how you um, or how the company came up with the branding, the umlaut, like where does all that come from? So uh, it's kind of, have you ever heard of the, the Haagen-Dazs story? Um, you know where Haagen-Dazs comes from? I don't actually, no. So we're, we're, what's your, what would your guess be? Probably like Nordic, something like that, Norway or something? Yeah, but now that you're saying it, I'm thinking like it was just a branding experiment that yeah. like Kellogg's did or whoever, right? <laughs> well, it wasn't Kellogg's, but it was a, a guy in Queens. Uh, who yeah. was sat at his kitchen table with his wife and was throwing out uh, names to come up with um, that would sound like a, a good ice cream brand, and, and mm-hmm. there was, such was born Agendas. So the original the original idea was was behind toast T O A S T that it was a you'd raise a glass um, as a you know for a toast, and that was the the original name and a very talented. Um, branding designer named Patricia Spencer, um, who's based in New York, was shown the product and, and brought in and she took a look at it and said, you know, it'd be really cool if you dropped the A and added the umlaut um, and went vertical with the branding design. And, you know, we took a look at that and fell in love with it. And that was that was all she wrote. So um, yeah. it's a, a bit of a play on words, but toast, meaning that there's raise a glass as a toast and, a, and celebration. Um, you know, it was always about having something that people could feel comfortable with uh, drinking in a, in a, in a setting where, you know, no one, um, you know, no one puts baby in the corner. No one wants to be sitting there with, <laughs> with uh, you know, a glass of water or a ginger ale and, and everyone deserves uh, a beverage that's as meaningful as any other beverage at any event. So, um, you know, raising a glass of toast is an international sign of, of, of uh, hospitality and uh, community. And that's where it was born out of and, and the umlaut and the, and the rest uh, is like I said, it was sort of a creative, creative spin on that. So we get, we get, it's pretty funny. We get, uh, we get emails from all around the world and people saying, you know, toast means typically, you know, let's say in the, in Europe, not around the world, you know, what does it mean? Or this is what it means in my language or, you know, how do you pronounce it? Um, we do a lot of business in, in Germany. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, in Iceland, we do a lot of business in Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. so we're picking up a couple different versions of the name as well, uh, <laughs> how people pronounce it. But, um, for us, it's a it's a word of hospitality, and and, and we're glad people people res- it resonates with people. Uh, I think it's really clever and simple. I love the brand with the, with the O with the umlaut. I think that's really fun and playful. And I think that it's so interesting because you know our day job is that we're a marketing agency, and so sometimes it's not this like deeply rooted historical branding exercise. Sometimes it's just playful and fun, and it was just something that popped, no pun intended, yep. and it works. You yeah, know, I, so. you know, a lot of what we talk about at Toast is that the, the hero of the story is the consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's their moment that they're celebrating. It's it's about them. It's not so much about the beverage or the founder story behind it. For us, it's about the consumer having this this moment where they want to 
have an elevated experience where they're they're you know celebrating something small or big or just hey you know what I've I've had four sparkling waters during the day and I'm having dinner at home and I want something I want something nice mm-hmm. um, that that's enough and so we we try to focus on that um, and we try to focus on the quality of the product and we try not to over message too much about the product and we use organic agave and toast and um, you know we don't put you know we it is a healthier lower calorie option. Um, but we, we're kind of happy with people discovering that on their own. Um, we try to lead in with just, this is a great tasting beverage. And again, you know, you're the, you're the hero of the story. I think that's exactly right. I think so many brands overthink that narrative and really it's a consumer, everything that's in consumer space, whether it's a food or beverage or, you know, clothing item doesn't really matter. If you're really looking at your messaging and your positioning from the consumer perspective, then I think you're thinking about it the right way to start. Um, and it sounds like that's been your you know, foot, first foot forward is always about the consumer, which I think really resonates. And you can see it in the branding. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it and enjoyed the product and the narrative. So thank you for creating something that's so fun and playful. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. We you know, appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and speak about it. And, um, you know, we we just love, uh, we get a lot of, a lot of feedback from consumers and, and we're just happy that the people are enjoying it. And, um, we just want to get the word out more and have more, more opportunities for people to enjoy our products. More opportunities for people to toast. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, on that note, share with us where people can find your product. So we're, we are in 40 States. If you go to our website, uh, toastbeverages.com, T-O-S-T beverages.com. Uh, you can find uh, on the top right corner a little fine toast. But we're in uh, Whole Foods on the East Coast. Um, we're in Fresh Market, Wegmans, Hy-Vee. Uh, we're in, you know, a thousand mom and pop stores in your in pretty much every local neighborhood. If it's Air One in L.A. or Central Market in Texas or or Loons and Barleys in um, Minneapolis or Town and Country in Seattle um, or, you know, the Big Y or Adams Fairacre in the East Coast. There's just a lot of different places. So um, certainly we encourage people to go in their local stores and ask for it. Um, that always helps. But if you're if you're looking, if you can't find it on our on our our map on our our uh, on our website, please feel free to email us at info at toastbeverages.com and we'll let you know where we are in your neighborhood. I mean, it sounds like you've incredible distribution, but I guess that's what happens when you're early adopter, when you've been in a market that's just, you know, now really picking up steam five years later. So that makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, In the last few minutes that we have left, I always like to ask quick fire questions. This is just whatever's top of mind. Um, So here we go. Uh, Okay, Brooks, what is the one thing you could not live without during the pandemic and you can't say your own product? Uh, My family. That's a good answer. We've heard that one before. Um, if you could wave a magic wand and have anything happen to the company, what would that look like? Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, yeah, you know, I think just global, I, I, I'm, we're excited about where we're going to be in, in two or three years and, you know, to be in 40 countries and 52 States, uh, and have a lot of smiling consumers and customers, uh, that would be the, that would be it. Got it. If there was one person listening in that could change your company's life, what would, who would that person be and what would they do? Um, the C- probably the C- either uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. He could, <laughs> he, could, he could come in uh, and be our our spokesperson. We would love to. We would love to have him on board. 
Interesting. You heard heard it here first. Um, Last question is, uh, what is your favorite word and why? And this could be something that's had real meaning to you over time or something that just pops into your head for this conversation. Uh, Family. Family, uh, I think, is my favorite word. And uh, the reason why is that, uh, you know, we put a lot of emphasis. I have a young family. We put a lot of emphasis on uh, on family and family goes beyond. You know, you've got your core family. You've got your community family. Um, and you've got your your national family, your global family, and so community inclusiveness. Um, that's something that that just resonates with me and has for a long time. And that would be the word. Nice. And finally, any last words of wisdom for our audience, whether they're entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs wanting to get into this space, or just wanting to start something fresh and new? Any uh, lessons learned along the way? Perseverance. Um, you know, perseverance and believing in what you're doing and um, just being, just persevere, keep pushing, be relentless, um, you know, not in a bad way, in a positive way, but you have to keep pushing forward and, and a, in a positive way and, and know that there are going to be a lot of, a lot of bumps and, and starts. Everyone fails. You have to be, you have to be, you have to be willing to fail uh, on a big way and in a small way. So if you're an entrepreneur, uh, you know, walk into that local store, walk into that where you don't know anyone, bring in your product, introduce yourself. Um, you know, it all starts there. And, um, you know, you just have to keep pushing forward. And, and if you really believe in what you're doing um, and you think you've got a great product and you know you have a great product, then just have confidence in that and, and get in front of as many people as you can and, um, and, 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 and be resilient uh, and have thick skin. Um, and, you know, ride the, uh, ride the wave and, uh, and, and be able to adjust. It's a lot yeah. of things. There's a lot of things you could say. I mean, there are a lot of them are cliche, but at the same time, you know, they're all, they're all quite true. You really yeah. have to just keep, keep moving forward and, um, there'll be good days and bad days and highs and lows. And that's true in every industry. And, um, that's what makes life so fascinating. Isn't it? It's so true. Uh, the hustle is real. Uh, Brooks, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate the perspective and uh, love sharing your product with our audience. Well, thank you, Laurel. It's really it's a lot of fun and um, you know, really, really honored to be to be asked to be on this and we appreciate it and um, we'll look forward to keeping in touch and um, you know, hopefully we can do this again another time. I love it. And thanks to everyone who tuned in. Stay tuned for more from Elevate Your Brand coming up next.